Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. God, we thank you for joining us here. I'm so grateful that that it's not just me giving this word, but you giving this word through me because I don't think there would be many people here to just come and listen to what Ben has to say. Uh, But Lord, thank you for using me as an instrument to speak your word. I pray that you continue to um, Use my lips to only speak what you have to say, and if there's anything that I say that isn't from you, that you would correct it, that you would point it out, um, and even everything that everyone hears me speak, that that they would question it, and and line it up against your truth, line it up against your word, to to only accept what you say is truth. Um, Yeah, thank you, God, for being in this place with us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you provide for us. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Does anybody remember what we talked about in the previous two Bible studies? Who God says we are. Yeah. And who did God say that we are so far from the car Bible study? No creation. Hmm? No creation. A new creation. Does anybody recall what verses we looked at before? 517. 517. <laughs> 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 yep. Did anybody have that scripture memorized? Yeah, four. I am in creation in Christ. It is not mine to come to those of me, but I can't remember exactly. Close. That's Galatians 2.20. Oh, yeah, that's that one. That one. We talked about that one. Yeah, we did talk about that one, too. Sorry. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, I'm a new creation. The old is gone. No. Yeah, no. Those two are so closely related, it's crazy. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is gone. There you go, you got it. Uh, you can keep track. 15 bad points for that. And Galatians 2.20, Zach, I think you had that one. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. <laughs> that we, if we, no, everything has the end of it. But it's yeah. uh, if we live through, if if we can be justified, if we can live by the body, if we can live by the law, Sorry. We, if no. we can reach salvation through the law, then Christ has died for nothing. That's that's. Did you read my notes on what today is about? Yeah, who we are. That's Galatians two twenty. <laughs> Not quite. Or maybe it's in a version. I just let's the Bible out. Hold, hold, hold up. Galatians 2.20. Here it is. ESV. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live and by the, the body, I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah, that one. Yeah. 
righteousness worth the law, then Christ died for no purpose. You get some cushion points. Oh, okay. 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 So today we're going to be in Galatians 5. So if you guys want to turn there, we're going to be there for most or all of today. Galatians 5, very small book. It's after 2 Corinthians. Before we get into it, I have a question for you guys, non-rhetorical, so you guys can answer. What does it mean to be free? You can answer in any sense of the word. What does it mean to be free? How would you define freedom? Have choices. Have choices? To do what you want. Have choices to do what you want? Without restraint. I feel like I always have the same type that doesn't work right here. Yeah, You said have choices? Mm-hmm. Have choices, do what you want. Without restraint, I think I heard. Yeah, like without like like a, like a physical restraint, like no chains, no no ropes, or no like you're not like bound to like a, a post or nothing. Okay. Anyone else? Free will. Free will. Anyone else? Officer. What is freedom? A lot of was was already covered without restraint, without oversight. Without restraint, no oversight. Anyone else? There's no right or wrong answer. Just curious how you guys would define it or what what rings a bell when you first hear that word freedom. Vacation. that's 305 feet tall in New York that represents freedom. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. The Statue of Liberty. Represents our freedom from what? British. The British tyranny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So we'll keep all that in mind, all those things, and we'll we'll look at how we view freedom versus what Galatians 5 is saying here. It's titled Freedom in Christ. 
If you haven't guessed already, today is Who Am I in Christ? I am free. So this is about freedom today. Does anyone want to read Galatians 5, 1 through 4? Nice and short. <coughs> so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from Awesome. What is Paul saying here to the people in Galatia? Because that sounds okay, cool. Sounds good, Paul. Makes sense. I get it. But what's he saying? Basically, says you don't have to be a Jew. To, for what? To be safe. Okay. I feel like I talked about this a couple weeks ago. It must sound like my mm -hmm. was something else that I read, but essentially, like, it's not what you. I don't remember. I'm trying to remember the verse, and I can't remember it. But it's like, it's not what you do, like following these rules and these rules, and like being a Jew. It's like you're living. I'm really hard time like saying this out loud, but we talked about it recently circumcision or not, like, just because you get circumcised, that doesn't mean that you can, like, you have a relationship with mm -hmm. God. Yeah, it was actually in Galatians 6.15, where Paul said, um, we talked about this uh, the last Bible study, he oh, said, okay. it doesn't matter whether you've been circumcised or not, what counts is whether you've been transformed into a new creation. Paul's whole thing, he speaks a lot to the Galatians about circumcision, because that was, that was big for them. You know, he breaks down to, to each group's people of Corinth and, and Ephesus and Galatia, directing things specifically to each city, to each church of things that are barriers for them. So the Galatians, they were very on circumcision, circumcision, and that was that they were very focused on that. So a lot in Galatians, all I mean, it's only six chapters long, but you'll you'll see him talking about that a lot throughout here, but. Yeah, he's, he's saying it in, in a different way here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are or are not circumcised. That that won't save you. He's saying, if you're in verse 4, if you're trying to make yourself right with the law by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. And in verse 3 he says, if you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. And remember how many laws they would have to keep in order to do that? 613 laws. Even they couldn't remember them all. It was too it was too cumbersome for them to remember them all. Even some of the Pharisees couldn't remember them all. Let alone keep them all. No one could keep them all. Even the Pharisees would make allowances for themselves and say, it's okay if we don't do this, if you're doing, if you're, you know, in this, if you're mourning, or if you're this, or if it's that, and it's okay, oh, you can't do this on the Sabbath, unless this, so they, they were very black and white, 
unless it was for themselves or another reason where they wanted to make an excuse. So even they couldn't keep the whole law. So Paul is saying here, if you're trying to make yourself right by the law, you're going to have to keep the entire law, and you're not able to do that. All right, now let's break this down a little bit more. Verse 1, let's look at only verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So Christ has truly set us free. Free from what? Come in! That was a way better way. Of it. I'm not going to go again. I don't know if they're big boy words, so. No, but. Well, legalistic. Yeah. That's definitely a way to look at it. Same, saying the same thing. Same. Christ has truly set us free. We're in Galatians 5 1. Right. Now make sure that you stay free. Anybody have NIV that they read from? Can you read that? Uh, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. Does anyone have a version that says stand fast? King James. King James. Yeah. Stand fast. Stand firm. Make sure that you, stuff, that you stay free. What does that mean? Stand firm. Stand fast. What it does not mean is that. It doesn't mean to stand up fast. Quickly. But what does it mean? What does it mean to stand firm or to stand fast? Good because you're just good. So don't don't worry about having to focus on the 
this freedom, but no, it's saying stand firm and stand fast. Be quick to your, um, I guess, understanding, or stand firm in your, stand strong is, is also like just mm -hmm. stand with, stand with a, with a posture that will not just be easily knocked over. Good. Don't just stand there and be like, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm good. Just naturally. Man. Not easily. It's gonna come straight to me because I'm just, you know, me. I'm yep. good. You know. Not easily wavered, mm -hmm. refuse to abandon one's opinion or, or beliefs, hold firm, stand firm. Make sure that you stay free. Stand firm. And don't get tied up again into slavery to the law. So he's saying you've truly been set free, been set free from sin, from the law, from the punishment of the law. You've been freed from that. How? By Jesus Christ. By Jesus. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again to it. My version says don't submit. Submit implies a choice. Mm. Um, so uh, lean on your foundation, which is Christ. Cool. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Christ is worthless to you if you're counting on the law to make you right with God. Jesus died on the cross for absolutely nothing, and he means nothing to you if you think that you can make yourself right with God by following the law or any part of the law. That's what he's saying here. That's, that's how extreme he's he's saying it is that's that's the that's how he's trying to get his point across he's like christ is no benefit to you he might as well not even have died on the cross if you think that you can make yourself right by any other means because there is no other means to make yourself right and i like how he reiterates he goes in verse three i'll say it again if you're trying to find favor with god by being circumcised you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. I feel like if you think about it realistically, like it, it makes sense. And that, like, I was having a conversation with my mom and her coworker the other day, and her coworker is like this very strict Catholic, and um. And I don't remember the exact law, but something about meat, eating meat on Fridays in Lent. Um, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, I am by no means like a perfect Christian at all. I eat meat every single day of the week. Like, I don't follow a lot of those like traditional laws, but like, I was probably a more perfect Christian when I was raised in like a very traditional church when I was younger, but I had literally no relationship with God. Like, praying was just a prayer because like, I just did it, my family did it, but like now I pray and like I feel like I'm like I'm actually talking to God and mm -hmm. like it's like you're doing like even if you do all these laws and these like um uh just like following the law, like that doesn't mean that you inherently have a con like have a relationship with God. Um and like if you're following every single rule to a T then like what's the point of Jesus dying on the cross? Yeah. Exactly. He died so that we can, like, we sin and we have forgiveness to him, but, like, just following the law doesn't, like, mean that you have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm.
There was a an American evangelist in the 1800s by the name of D.L. Moody. He illustrated this point by quoting an old former slave woman in the South following the Civil War. Being a former slave, she was confused about her status and asked, here's her quote, the slave woman. Now, I is free, or been I not? When I go to my old master, he says I ain't free. And when I go to my own people, they say I is. And I don't know whether I free or not. Some people told me that Abraham Lincoln signed the proclamation, but Master says he didn't. He didn't have any right to. And it goes to show that many Christians are confused on the same point. That Jesus Christ has given them, and that Jesus has given um, Christians an emancipation proclamation in the same sense. But their old master tells them that they're still slaves to a legal relationship with God. They live in bondage because their old master has deceived them, just like the, the slave woman quoted. My people are telling me that I'm free. My master, my old ma my master says I'm not free. They say there's been this thing called emancipation pro pro mm, wow. proclamation. Proclamation. Say that five times fast. Emancip emancipation proclamation. I'm proclaiming you are free. No, I'm not. You are free. You're no longer a slave. Yeah, I didn't sign anything. But if she stays firm against her master, then she is free. <laughs> the question is, who is your old master? Who held or is currently holding you captive? But Christian has a good point about, like, like um, I don't remember where I was when I heard this, but we were talking about this, and um, they were like, Christ has set you free. That's it. You are free through Christ. Stop going back to a posture of slavery, of a posture of being stuck in sin, of sin, and like, and being like, like stuck in it. Like God has set you free. You are free to have direct access to Him. So stand firm there and stop going to that old master because they have no say over you anymore. You know, and it's just like I don't know how else to express it other than like, Christ set you free. He came and did the work. Stop taking the posture as if He didn't come. Like He did it. He finished it on the cross. And we just keep, as believers, we keep getting back and stuck in the cycle of sin and, like, our old master getting a say over who we are and what we do when we are free from that. Christ did it. It's done. So stop going back to that posture, you know? And I'm preaching myself. Like, stop going back to it. Like, what are you doing? Christ did it. So stop, like, laughing in his face. Like, he didn't do it. He did it. He set you free, you know? Yeah. So stand firm. You don't have to answer this, but but I do just want to reiterate that that we have our old master. That's our sinful nature. That's our flesh telling us that you can do these things. You're free to do these things, right? By our own definitions, we have choices. We can do whatever we want. No restraint, free will, no oversight, right? All these things. That's our idea of freedom. You can do whatever you want. No one's going to stop you. You're free to do it. You're not a slave to these laws. You can do whatever you want. But the one who's purchased our freedom says, those things are actually holding you in bondage. You're now free from those things. And we're going to get into more of that. When we embrace the law as our rule of law, uh, 
When we embrace the law as our rule of walking with God, we must let go of Jesus. He is no longer our righteousness. We attempt to earn it ourselves. For the Galatians in this context, to receive circumcision, circumcision, the ritual that testified that a Gentile was coming under the law, meant that he no longer trusted in Jesus as his righteousness, but trusted in himself instead. So Paul could say, Christ will profit you nothing. The legalists among the Galatians wanted them to think that they could have both Jesus and a law relationship with God. Paul tells them that this is not an option. The system of grace and the system of the law are incompatible. Whoever wants to have a half Christ loses the whole. How tragic. Jesus died on the cross, pouring out his blood, his life, his soul, his agony, his love for us, will profit you nothing. Two men died with Jesus. For one, for the one who put his trust in Jesus, it was eternal life. For the one who trusted in himself, it profited him nothing. He disregarded Jesus in the same way that the Pharisees and people, some of the Galatians, were disregarding the same way that the other thief upon the cross disregarded Jesus, said, ah, this guy's crazy. He don't know, know what he's doing. But for the other guy hanging up on the cross next to him, he trusted in Jesus. So we're going to breeze through this middle part in Galatians 5. And then we'll talk about that briefly. And then we'll stay on uh, a second part of it for a little bit. Does anybody want to read verses 5 through 12? Galatians 5, 5 through 12. I'll take it. Go for it. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing it, expressing itself through love. You were running a good race, who cut and who cut on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of pers persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one is throwing you into the conf confusion. Whoever that may be will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the, of the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. What's going on here? perspective on 
new believers, these Gentiles that are coming to Christ that now are being told, wait, you have to follow in particular this law of circumcision, otherwise you're not saved. That's not true for you. And which is extremely dangerous for these new believers that are like, wait, like, I thought that I'm, you know, maybe they thought they signed up for a different kind of faith, the true gospel that Paul is talking about, right? And now they're being told all of these things about circumcision in particular. At the end, in verse 12, the NLT says, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. So this idea of, and tying it back to verse, um, I think it's six, where it says, for when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. So it's not like if you already are, you're any less saved. He, his point is, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's not in that, it's not in that action not in that moment that you suddenly arrive at a place of salvation. No, what matters and what is important is the faith that you have in Christ alone expressing itself in love. Yeah. At the end of the day, that is the truth. And, and he's saying in verse 9, he's talking about this false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. If anyone who's who's doing the 2020 challenge has been reading from Mark, there's a part that was just said the other day about the false yeast of the Pharisees. Yeast of the Pharisees. Being the same thing he's saying here. Yeast, when you're making bread, you only need a little bit of yeast to make the whole batch of dough rise. And it's the same thing he's saying about false teaching or about sin or about anything evil. You only need a little bit. To mess with the whole batch. And what they would do is, and still today, that you can do, but especially then we're kind of taking something, batch of dough, and using that to start another batch. You'll use part of, you can even have a piece of the dough from the old batch and have that in with the new batch. And there's enough yeast in it to help the whole new batch rise. He's saying, if you're taking this little bit of this old teaching and trying to put it in with your new life, it's going to corrupt it because you're using what's already from the old batch here. And so it all boils down to, you can be circumcised, you can not be circumcised. It doesn't matter. But don't do it because you think you have to. Don't do it because you think that will make you right with God. It won't. All right. Verse 13 to 15. Who wants to read that? God. Go for it. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Called to live in what? Freedom. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. <clears throat> You've been called to live in freedom, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. It's easy to think 
that liberty is the right to sin or the privilege to do whatever you feel like, to do whatever your evil desires feel like doing, whatever you think is going to have, make you feel good. But instead, this liberty is the spirit-given desire and ability to do what we should do before God. Not what we want to do, but what we should do. The great fear of the legalist is that liberty will be used as an opportunity for the flesh. The idea is that people will just go out and sin and do as they please, then say to a spineless God, I'm sorry, please forgive me, and then go on and keep doing whatever they want. Paul recognized the danger of this attitude, so he warned against it here. Don't use your freedom to do whatever you want to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And he's saying the whole law all boils down to this. Love your neighbor as yourself. That simple. Is he also saying, like, don't use it as, like, an excuse? Mm -hmm. Like, just keep on going? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, I got grace in my back pocket. I can just whip that out whenever I... Yep. Like, I can just keep going to this place or that place, keep doing this and this. Okay. That's what I'm looking for. And he talks about that elsewhere. I don't recall the reference. I don't know if anyone else does, where he says, don't use... That, that essentially that exact same thing. Don't use grace as an excuse. In Romans, that sounds right. This is the exact pattern set by Jesus. He had more liberty than anyone who ever walked on this earth. Yet he used his liberty, his freedom, to serve one another through love. Christ had the same freedoms that we do. He could do what he wanted. He could do what we want. We can help people. We can hurt people. We can satisfy our own desires. We can satisfy God's desires. Jesus, Jesus chose to do what pleased God instead of what pleased himself. There's this quote I found about that exact thing. About the law, verse 14, the whole law can be summed up into this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. It says, if you want to know how you ought to love your neighbor, ask yourself how much you love yourself. If you were to get into trouble or danger, you would be glad to have the love and help of all men. You do not need any book of instruction to teach you how to love your neighbor. All you have to do is look into your own heart, and it will tell you how you ought to love your neighbor as yourself. Essentially, a golden rule, right? Do unto others what you do unto yourself. So the question is, what will you choose to do with your freedom? You have the options. Right? Freedom, you know, you have your own choices, you can do this, you can do that, you can, sure, you're free to sin, you're free to not sin, you're free to say, oh, I think I'll do this because God will still forgive me, oh, I think I won't, I'll choose to do this instead. Thoughts, comments, questions so far?
it's not a matter of whether or not we agree or disagree. Or, uh, and I think myself included can get caught up in that attitude of like, well, they've, they've wronged me, or they've done this, they've done that. And it's justified. Right, I can bring up a list of le reasons why, no, I don't want to, or they don't, they don't deserve it, they haven't earned it from me. Like, respect is, like, in the secular world, like, respect is earned, right? And to a degree, I think there's a nugget of truth in that statement. However, if we're going to go by this ultimate command of loving our neighbor as ourselves, well, I didn't earn love of God. I did nothing to earn it. I didn't ask to be created. He formed me. He wanted me here. And it's not just me. Every single person who has lived, will live, is being born right now, he has plans and a life for. So how do I get to dictate whether or not they've earned love from me if I haven't done anything to earn love from anybody? I've just been me. And that's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to think his way and yet that's the gift of this freedom that we have because we're able to the fact that we're even talking about having the ability to love people in a way that is supernatural that is not that is countercultural is because of him the fact that I can s turn to somebody and be like you know what you have not earned it and you don't deserve it and yet I still love you. I still believe that God has a plan for you. I still want to see good for you because you are someone that God loves. You are someone that God died for. That is not easy. That's not, it doesn't make sense. And yet, we get to think that way. I get to be someone who thinks that way because I see differently. Because I see God in those people. not sure if this is this will go anywhere because it just came it just is starting to form in my head what would it look like if we were not free we'll be broken looking for other things in this world to fill our heart we'll be hurting people hurting ourselves and like you know just being sinful living in sin something that i realize is that god's law is not just to be like a rule book it's to benefit us to give us the best life we could ever live on this earth. And if we're able to, if we, of course we understand, but you know, we got a world out there that thinks that God is foolish or like his rule book doesn't make any sense. But um, one thing I could say is that the people in the world, they, they don't, carnal, that's the word, carnal, they're carnal minded. So it's like their view of life is way different from what we view. You know, we're used to always seeking God. We're used to, um, being in God's presence all the time, his love, but people in the world, they don't really get to experience that kind of stuff. But they don't really, yeah. I've heard the analogy of like, like God's, God's moral commands for us are not to keep us from anything, but they're to help us to live the, the best life of our ability, like life and life abundantly. 
Like a mother doesn't tell her child, don't run out in the middle of the street to stop them from having fun. A mother tells her child that to protect them from the dangers that could come. And in the same way, God tells us to do these things to protect us from the harm that they will cause to us. Um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I was just piggybacking on that. Oh, no, no, yeah. Well, you were asking like, the question right, yeah. What it was, would it look like if we didn't have freedom? Um, yeah. Look all around. <laughs> I think a lot of people are stuck in chains and they don't know it. They're, it's easy for them to say, I could stop at any time, whether it's addiction to anything or just like a slave to sin. They can say, I can stop at any time, but when they try, they're just like, I don't want to. I don't want to stop. Why would I? That's like, I have free will. I can. I want to do this, and that's what I'm choosing to do. But until you try to take it away from them, or the money that they're relying on isn't there anymore, or the health that they're relying on isn't there anymore, and all of a sudden their world crumbles, and they're they're a slave to whatever they're worshiping, that it's controlling their life. Like that's the thing that's controlling their life. And I can't imagine putting. I mean, I can because I do it again and again. But the, <laughs> I have the grace of God to pull me out of it. But to put your trust in something that you can't withstand is is devastating like people around us every single day are losing family members they're losing health they're losing money they're losing jobs and that's that's their life they're, they're that's their god that's their standard and so to be like a slave to that it's just it's disheartening and it's discouraging and it's heartbreaking and because it's like no they can't be a slave to that they're slaving to that will set you free you know you can get free from that they don't know because yeah. I'm gonna add to that. So they don't <laughs> they don't know because you know Satan has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe the truth, and so they look at us crazy. Isn't that funny? They'll see us like praising God or praying in tongues or whatever. They'll think that's like lunatic. But the reality is like once uh once you get your eyes open to the truth, once you start, you know Jesus says, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life." It's like. It changes your whole perspective of how you view people, how you talk to people, all sorts of things. But, mm -hmm. you know, if your wisdom is in the world, you, you, you rely on, like, how people react in the world. Like, for example, fighting. Like, if, if this guy steps on your shoes, you fight him, right? Jesus says to turn the other cheek and forgive and love. And that's, like, that's the beneficial way to life. Because looking back, if I were to fight somebody who steps on my shoes... In the long run, laughing back, I'll be like, was that really worth it at that moment? It'll, it'll look silly and foolish, but doing it Jesus' way, you'll look back and remember that you gave glory to him, and he worked it out for your good. Jesus, yeah. I think we'd be completely dead, to be honest, because a lot of the old laws were <laughs> sin. They will stone you to death. Or it was the death penalty. Yeah. So <laughs> we screwed up once. It was like, well, yeah. in order to be forgiven, you... Not Stone you. The whole reason that was our. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times would any of us have been banished out of the, the city or stoned or. Huh? Turned to salt. Lost wife. A lot of the world will look at Christians as you guys aren't free. You guys are the ones who have to do all these things and you guys can't do certain things because you're a Christian. So it's like you guys are slaves because you're not allowed to do certain things. But that's the complete opposite of what you're saying. It's like, actually, you think that because you think that doing what you want, giving in to whatever desire you have is freedom. That's not freedom. That's slavery to sin. You think you're free, but you're actually the slave. 
you think that we're the slaves, but we're actually free. And it's it's that whole upside down kingdom of of the earth versus God's kingdom of people from the outside looking in saying Christians are slaves. They just they're not allowed to do this. They're not allowed to do that. They can't drink. They can't cuss. They can't party. They can't you know have sex before marriage. They can't do this. They can't do that. It's all like what you're not allowed to do. You have to go to church every week. You have to read the Bible. You have to pray. It's like none of those are obligations none of those are that we're not allowed to do those things it's our desire is not to do those things it's that our desire is to do what god says and he tells us that that's not beneficial for us you're a slave to sin and you think that you're free but you really just sin has such a hold on you that you don't even realize that you're in bondage yeah when you said what do you think that looks like Look around. <laughs> We're living in what, what that is. looks like. I it, thought, oh no, you can go ahead. I talked a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, semi-personal comment, but I think it it is like a good analogy. I, um, in high school and like throughout college, had a really bad eating disorder, and I went through the whole waves of anorexia and bulimia and all the things. And I look back at it now, and like I was recovered before I was saved by God, but. Um, I feel like I never really was like fully recovered until I found him. And now looking back, I think in the sense of like, essentially when you have an eating disorder, like there literally is a voice in your head. Like we, I call it Ed and like Ed is the voice in my head. And like, I think back now I'm like, Ed was literally my, like my master, Mm -hmm. my leader and like leading me down paths and like things I didn't want to do. I've ruined so many friendships and like, um, made so many mistakes along the way because I was like this is my leader this is who I need to listen to and now looking back like I still have thoughts sometimes and like I think about it and I'm like I don't have to do that anymore Mm -hmm. like God is telling me what he wants me to do and like he knows what's best for me and like at this moment like when I have those types of like thoughts or temptations I'm like I don't yeah like I don't need to listen to this like small little voice in my head that's saying skip dinner like I can listen to God and be like he wants me to be healthy and heal my body and he loves me no matter what I look like or how much I eat or don't eat or exercise and like I don't have to listen to this little voice in my head and like I feel like that was something that clicked with me that I was like okay like I can move on from this like I it might still be there but like that's not my master anymore like God is my leader um and I just thought it was like an interesting comparison when you yeah. brought that up and same applies for like really any type of addiction um like people from lighthouse you hear sandy talk about it all the time um of like he had to be so torn down to like turn to something else but now you find find god and like this is a, he's a whole different person i'm a whole different person than those um like other leaders we were following before you haven't even said you're a new creation. Yeah. Your life is gone. <laughs> no, seriously, though. <laughs> and it's, like, really interesting to think about. Not interesting, but, like, really powerful to think about. And it's, like, part of me is, like, wow, I kind of wish I was saved a little bit earlier. But, you know, it is what it is, and here we are. Um, Everything's God's time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. I want to share something that I experienced a while ago. Um, I had a dream 
that, and this was, I'm trying to pinpoint it, maybe, if I had to guess, like, eight or so years ago, something like that, um, I had a dream that, um, like, after, like, while I was sleeping, I, I saw this, um, that I was in a prison cell, and I was, I couldn't get out. The gate was, the door was open to the cell, I was the only one in it, the gate, the door was open, and freedom was right there in front of me, but I stayed in it, and I felt like I was still captive, even though the door was wide open, and there was one thing I had to do before getting completely free, and it was the prison cell, freedom, and there was one thing I had to do, it was cross this red path, cross this red carpet, trail, whatever it was, and that was the blood of Jesus, so all you have to do, the door is open, nothing is holding you in except for yourself, and allowing yourself to be covered in the blood of Jesus to be able to be truly free. Shortly after I had that dream, I was at church, and someone uh, went up to the front and said, I have, I have something from God, I don't know who this is for, um, but I have, I drew this picture, and this person brought a piece of paper that we drew, so there's this prison, and the door is open, and there's red right here, all they have to do is cross over this to be in, out of the prison cell. And like, I don't know who that's for, but, you know, God is, God is speaking something to someone. And that was just confirmation that what God was sharing to me in that moment was, you just need to allow what he's done to wash over you and to, to let you truly be free. And... I feel like sometimes we, 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 we think that you can't get out of a situation, that you're stuck, that you're in bondage, that you're, you're held captive, and you're really not. You're the only one holding yourself in sometimes. When Jesus himself said, I have made you free, and we'll, we'll go into that a little bit next week, but some of that is now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom 2 Corinthians 3.17 John 8.32 you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free we'll go into to those both next week but I just wanted to share that and if that would resonate with anyone or, or anything but the only thing standing between a captive and their own freedom or anyone in slavery and their freedom is the blood of Jesus. It's the only thing that can set you free, that will set you free, that makes you free. Yeah, that's it on that. And then the question is, what will you choose to do with your freedom? Which is not just a, oh, you can do this. It's, that's a 
a life process of, of answering that question, what you'll choose to do with your freedom. That's a daily, a moment, hourly, daily question to answer um, as you go about your life. Any final thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, testimony, anything before we close out? Well, everybody has it, their stories, but um, this, uh, this topic always reminds me of my past. And um, I know some of you guys know the story, but before I met Christ, I was in anger. I hate the world. And looking back, I know that like dragged me back. And this is what, before I was even 14, right? And the day I met Jesus and his love, like instantly all the anger like washed away from me. And that's when I was like, man, I was set free that day. And it was just one day of meeting Jesus Christ. I, was, I grew up in a Catholic family, family. So when I met God, it's like I was clean from all that anger that I had in my life and um, that slavery of anger that always hold me down in the world. And then when I met God, met His love, it was like wow. I was like I, I felt like I could fly. That's how like light I felt. And when I so when I left church that day, what I did was like start worshiping the Lord in the streets and talking about God and it's like it was my choice to tell the world that I met God and it felt good and that that's just like for me it's like an example of how slavery to sin or to this emotions of anger can release and get freedom from God and then what you do with that freedom is try to let everybody else know that <laughs> there's freedom here you just meet our our savior so, cool, something, yeah. Awesome. I'm to pray, and then we'll uh, split for a little bit. God, we thank you for the freedom that you give us through your son, Jesus. Thank you what that means for us and how we get to live our lives every day. Not how we have to, but how we get to live our lives every day. That we don't have to live it in slavery to sin that we don't have to give in to our evil desires that we don't have to give in to what we want to do because that would be more fun that we don't give in to the ways of the world that we don't not that we're not allowed to or that we can or that we shouldn't but that it just doesn't please us it doesn't it's not a desire of ours anymore thank you for making us a new creation thank you for the old life being gone and the new life in you. Help us to live each day remembering that we're a new creation. That you have truly set us free. That we are now actually free to not be a slave to the law, to not have to earn our salvation because we can't. Thank you for freely giving us salvation through your Son. Let's pray for blessings over everyone this week, that you just help us continue to hear your word every day, that we press into you more and more every day, that we're not content with just where we're at, that we want to hear from you, we want to hear you speak to us, we want to feel your love and your presence. Thank you for being here with us all today, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.